Okay, welcome to another episode of The Navs Effect. Today, I'm joined by Joseph, aka Celtics Manila on Twitter, the biggest Celtics fan there is in the Philippines, and also by Mr. Joe Verai. I may or may not be biased because we both write for Rappler, but I consider Joe to be sort of like the Zach Lowe of the Philippines when it comes to covering the NBA. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. It was a fantastic game for the Bucks win 109-103. They tied the series at 2-2. We are headed back to Phoenix for a Game 5 with a series to determine the 2021 NBA champion now a best of three. Uh, two of the final three games, of course, will take place in Arizona, Phoenix's home court. How are you guys feeling? We finally got a close game in the finals after all those blowouts. I'm just happy that we got a game that went down to the wire. But at the same time, we also got some highlight plays, um, memorable instances like the Giannis block we'll talk about. And maybe the non-call that everyone else is talking about. But yeah, gentlemen, how do you feel about the game that we had today? Yeah, best game of the series so far. Uh, it was uh, really fun to watch. And uh, it's kind of nice to watch a very close series uh, without uh, rooting for any of uh, those teams. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think we're about to see a classic uh, game five, six, and seven because I really think this is uh, this series is going to seven. So and um, this series is a lot much closer than a lot of people think. So yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's actually the first game that made my heart pound all throughout the game. I mean, when you have a game that's like all throughout five points four points away from the bucks taking over a run away from taking over and then they eventually took over at the end it's something that you want to watch out of a finals game it's probably i don't know my memory is not that uh not that clear but out of, since 2016 maybe it's probably the best finals game since then i mean you have every element of a good finals game. I mean, that Giannis block, which, you know, reminded everyone of the LeBron block drawing comparisons. And then you have Middleton going crazy in the that 10-0 run at the end. I mean, it's, I mean, what more can you ask as a basketball fan, right? Okay, I got to counter a bit. I think some of the Raptors-Warriors games, especially those where Golden State came back at the end, <laughs> were better than this. And I may or may not be biased, but I'll take the under... Man Heat taking the Lakers to six games at Game 5 was a classic. But I agree with you in terms of uh, highlight moments and just really... It's really one highlight moment for me. It's the Giannis block, you know? And um, we can go on about Giannis and how he hasn't had the support. If he did, maybe the series is already 3-1 or even 4-0 in favor of Milwaukee. But just I think what we've seen from him since Game 2 has been a Herculean effort. Um, he's controlling the game in so many ways. He's still not the the scorer that many people want him to be. You don't really always trust him when he takes some shots, especially late in the game. But in terms of plays, like what he did today to Aiden, just blocking the alley oop, uh, seemingly out of the sky, and you know his defense. I felt like he his pressure and Chris Paul like was one of the reasons why towards the end of the game Paul was double thinking everything he was doing and thus the turnovers. And at the same time, you know, you got Giannis just staying unselfish, setting up his shooters, even if God knows that a lot of his teammates miss a lot of open shots. But he's just all over the place, and he's played like an absolute MVP so far. So with that said, do you guys think that this series has swung to Milwaukee's favor specifically because 
Giannis has established himself as the best player on the floor. Let's start with you, Joe. What do you think? I mean, you got to think that the momentum is clearly in the Bucks' favor, right? I mean, uh, and also, we're, we're, let's not forget, uh, no no team has won on the road so far this series. So, uh, but, you know, despite that, I mean, sure, the Bucks, the Suns have the home court advantage, but I think the momentum is fully in the Bucks' favor because you're giving them that belief now. They're giving them that resiliency that they know they can win this series despite what everyone's uh, everyone's been telling from the start. Like, you know, Suns have the coaching advantage. They have the personnel advantage. They're a much deeper team. Whereas the Bucks, you know, they they're not gonna have the lasting power to survive against a Suns uh, offense that has found every answer against any kind of coverage that the Bucks were trying to do. I mean, we saw that in games one and two, right? You know, the, tried everything, drop switching, whatever, and the Suns basically blew it out of the, out of the water, right? So, and then they came back these past two games where, you know, Giannis had that crazy game three. And then now they spent most of the game being down a few points. And it seemed like they were never going to get over that hump despite staying close. But now closing minutes of game four, they found that they found that edge. They found that resiliency to beat the Suns. And, you know, they held their own on defense despite Booker going crazy. and all the confidence in the world has got to be on their on their side. And now if you're the Suns, you have to regain that confidence. You have to take away that confidence from the Bucks. You have to regain your own because, you know, you threw everything at them and they're not, they're not lying down. So, you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be uh, in game five, it's the Suns turn to show what they're made of because, you know, Chris Paul's had a bad game bad couple of games to be honest because he's been turning the ball over which is not it's not in his nature and the bucks are playing good defense on him they're adjusting uh you know credit to coach bud you know all this all the all the criticisms that's been lobbied at that's been lobbied at him you know he's responded credit to the players they're resilient and you know just see how the suns respond joseph you know it feels like Milwaukee figured some things out uh, to piggyback on Joe's point. It's, even if they lost game two, it felt like they kind of figured things out. They just couldn't get the other guys aside from Giannis to step up scoring-wise. And I think that you know if Middleton or Holiday play a little bit better in game two, the Bucks win that. And the series is 3-1 in favor of Milwaukee. I will give you this, though. Uh, I think Bud has outcoached Monty a little bit. Um, you know, Phoenix relies so much on their shooting and their, and it's gotten them this far. But at the same time, uh, scoring inside just feels so difficult for them at this point. So many, so many of their points come from mid-range shots and three-pointers. And when Paul isn't uh, playing up to par, or, you know, if one of Booker and Paul don't play up to par, so game three, of course, Booker struggled. Game four today, Paul had a tough time. Uh, it feels like Milwaukee's in control. So, Joseph, what are you seeing that the Bucks are doing that's maybe making you confident in them? And where do you see the series going now that we're headed to a Game 5? Um, I think the most glaring adjustment that the uh, Bucks have made is play uh, Yanis at 5. And I think it provided them a lot of um, flexibility in terms of uh, on both ends. They're swarming um, CP3 
on every pick and rolls and because uh, Yanis is playing five they're much faster in recoveries and like before where you have to target uh, Lopez on the weak side so a lot of shooters from the Phoenix can uh, shoot the ball shoot the ball more freely or freely or attack the uh, attack on the recovery so um, I think that's the best adjustment they've made so far in this series and um, I think um, they're also having, uh, um, they're trying to attack um, Aton more um, because um, one of the weakness of uh, Phoenix is uh, going uh, in foul trouble. Um, back in game three, Aton uh, got in a foul trouble and they never recovered after that. But this time, I think um, every time uh, Phoenix is in foul trouble. They're, it's very obvious that they're not that aggressive. One of the reasons I'd be confident to, from the Bucks is I'm looking at Drew Holiday, and he shot 4 out of 20 today. And, of course, Middleton had 40. He needed 33 shots to get there. But really, outside of Giannis and Middleton, you're not getting a lot of... Uh, contributions from everyone else now holiday had a great game three he struggled in games one and two and i feel like he has another big game in him coming up where he's gonna shoot about 60 percent from the floor which might be game five like you know Giannis is gonna be Giannis, and if he gets just one of middleton or holiday to step up which we saw in game three and then today in game four each of them had the memorable performances Milwaukee's going to be in prime position because there's Phoenix has no answer for Giannis in the paint aside from Aiton. And if Aiton is in foul trouble, then it's, it's wide open. It's open season to score in the Suns uh, paint defense. Today, so Booker had a great scoring performance. He had um, 42 points and 17 of 28 shooting, only two assists, only one rebound. And there was a point there early in the fourth quarter where the Suns had the lead up to, I think it was nine. You know, Johnson hit the jumper, Devin Booker hit the jumper, and then suddenly Booker commits his fifth foul after a turnover, which looked like it went off Tucker's foot. And the momentum of the game just switches from there because Paul didn't have it going. No one else in the Suns had it going except maybe for Johnson. But Booker really was the guy leading them today. This felt like it had all the makings of a... You know, Booker is going to have 45 in the finals. And we're going to remember this is the Devin Booker game because the Suns go up 3-1. And who knows, maybe they go to win game five. But instead, it turns around. It becomes about Booker's fouls. It becomes also about a foul called or a foul that wasn't called, maybe, uh, that should have been called. What do the Suns do to adjust, Joe? What do they need to do better moving forward? I mean, containing Giannis is easier said than done especially when he's playing at the five. But what are some of the things in the margins they can you can see them doing better to give them a better chance now that the series is going back to their home floor? Well, you saw quite a bit of that early on in game four, actually. They, you know, they saw how much Giannis did damage in game three in the paint. And uh, Chris Paul, I think, said it beforehand. Like they needed to find ways to form walls against Giannis, which is easier said than done against against this version of Giannis. Because you know, the old Giannis, uh, maybe a year or two ago, he would have been you know using brute force to just punch his way in. 
And that's and when you form a wall against that, he's just gonna either turn the ball over when he passes out, or he's or you're gonna draw an offensive foul on him. Uh, this version of Giannis, you know, he's much smarter. He's more reined in. He's more in control. I mean, he can see things better. Who's gonna be left open because he's gonna draw a lot of attention in the paint, and someone's bound to be left open on cuts on uh, the perimeter and stuff like that. They did a much better job of that. The Suns did in uh, Game Four. You can see them shrinking the floor much better. You know, someone stunning in from the perimeter towards the free throw area. They call the nail, and uh, actually made Giannis hesitate a bit. And also, you know, in not being as much of a foul, foul sponge this time, he was able to contain Giannis a bit in single coverage. You know. Giannis had trouble trying to budge him because Aiden's strong, he's tall. He has that perfect combination. They were doing that well. And I think the problem is that the Bucks figured out something that, you know, quite honestly, they should have been running from the start, which is you know, those Middleton Giannis pick and rolls. You know, those are like the low hanging fruit that the Bucks can just easily grab every single time. And, you know, for some reason, they don't run it every single time which is you know understandable because if you run it every single time the suns are bound to find something against it but and i'm not asking them to run it every time it's just that if you run it more often than they did then they've been running it during this the playoffs to be quite honest it's something that's very very hard to defend i mean especially when you empty out a one side there's no help coming from that side you have Giannis rolling there's no help and you're forcing the whoever's defending Giannis to decide, are you going to step up and contain Middleton or are you going to step back and, you know, prevent that drop pass or lob to Giannis? So, you know, the Suns really have to find an answer against that Middleton Giannis pick and roll because it's, you know, I'm not saying it's as deadly as, you know, say like a Curry Durant pick and roll was back in the day. But, you know, it's similarly dangerous in the sense that you choose, your, you pick your poison because you're either giving Middleton space to pull up from mid-range or to just go downhill and drive, or you're you're letting Giannis roll to the rim for a lob, a dunk, or a lob, or a drop pass, or maybe just an offensive rebounding because you're forcing, you're forcing the big man to help on the Middleton drive or jumpers. So, yeah, just finding a way to defend that. All right, um, I want to talk about Jay Crowder a little bit. And Joseph, you know this as a Celtics fan. You know what Jay brings to the floor. You know, he might have some games where he shoots one of nine from the field and he'll drive you a little crazy sometimes because he's a little quick trigger. But then when you look at everything else he brings, brings to the floor, you know, the defense, the, the acting at the right time to draw some fouls, the <laughs> effort, being at the right place at the right time, the classic Jay Crowder. Uh, he's been big for Phoenix. And I, I just want to talk about him here a little bit because he, uh, he had only 15 points today, 3 of 10 shooting, not great. Did go to the free throw line 7 times. But he's making the plays here and there. He's contributing. He's exactly what they need, playing the role perfectly. I'm a little disappointed in Bridges. Uh, I think after a good first game, first two games, he's kind of tailed off here a little bit. But Jay Crowder, like, is he someone Milwaukee should try to target more? I know it sounds crazy, 
But if you get him out of the game, maybe get him into foul trouble, you might have you might win more of those 50-50 plays. Because I felt like when Phoenix was holding on to the lead entering the later stages of the fourth period, uh, it was Crowder making the little plays here and there that really kept them on top until finally the Bucks uh, just took over the game. So if you're Bud, I know this sounds a little crazy, but do you kind of make an effort to get Crowder out of the game and take out another defender who can help contain Giannis a little bit? Um, as much as I love Jay, who, by the way, is a very underrated role player, I think he's the perfect uh, role player in today's game. You know, he's, uh, um, he's a good shooter enough that you can... Um, have the defense react to him whenever he's open and he's also a smart player that he can make the right passes at um, the right time but um i don't think you have to uh, change your plan on try to attack jay crowder because uh, like what i've said uh, um he has the size but he's not that quick but he's also a smart defender um he won't try to um i think um what i'm trying to say is um you have to live with jay crowder on the floor i mean he's he's shooting is kind of wonky um and i don't think his shooting is that uh, reliable enough that it will make a dent on your defense but i don't think you have to make a focus on uh, trying to attack Jake Crowder because uh, like what I've said he's a smart defender yeah that's also a good point too especially when you can attack maybe other guys like a Devin Booker there get him into foul trouble again uh, Crowder had five fouls today two worth noting eight and only had two and Booker should have probably had six at a certain point in the fourth yeah. period let's, so let's talk about that a little bit the, it was Clearly a foul, and it's either Booker had a boneheaded moment there where he forgot he was going to foul out, or he decided, you know what, I'm going to take this risk, see if the refs actually call it to stop the play, and lo and behold, it paid off. Uh, he ended up surviving, but of course, the Suns didn't survive. Bucks ended up winning anyway, but... How did you view that? Were were you glad that Booker was kept in the game? Because like Joe said, it was one of the best finals games we've had in a long time. Um, and Or were you more disappointed that what was clearly a foul should have been called a foul? Let's start with you, Joe. How did you view that whole situation? <laughs> oh, well, you know, of course, in the moment, you're like, you know, uh, you know, that they didn't call that foul, like, you know, and then everyone's like, oh, like the refs are keeping him in the game, uh, conspiracy theories, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, we've also had moments in the past where people complain because, you know, you don't call fouls in moments where a superstar should still be in the game. And, you know, people are blaming the refs for deciding games. So it's really a thin line, you know, that you're you're treading in terms of should they have called that should they have not but you know when you look at the replay (laughs) yeah i mean that should have been his sixth foul right and you know but i guess i guess you know it's moot right now it's moot because Suns didn't really end up capitalizing on that you know 
second life, that second win that they were given uh, due to, you know, Booker still being on the floor. Never really took advantage uh, after that. And, you know, credit to the Bucks for not being rattled over that non-call. They're not, they didn't uh, dwell on it and they just took care of business. So, uh, you know, and the discussion would have been different. Obviously, if the Suns won and the Bucks lost, but you know mm-hmm. it's much ado about nothing now, and we move on. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how the debate shows would have started tomorrow had the, the Suns won this game. Uh, everybody knows controversy gets them clicks, right? But I really was kind of hoping we'd get the Booker game that he would have closed us out. A part of me, that's why I was a bit happy that they didn't have him disqualified for that six foul at first but then ultimately when i thought about it i was like wow i mean it's it's not exactly the best uh decision there was a moment there towards the end too where Giannis inbounds the ball with one foot still out of balance uh, some players do that all the time but in the finals i uh at a yeah, critical yeah, they're not, juncture they're too. Not, yeah they're not calling that yeah yeah but then like when ESPN decides to highlight that on a replay and then you think about it and you're like, yeah, why aren't they actually calling that? And you're, we're talking about this given Team USA's recent performance uh, in their exhibition games and dealing with the FIBA rules, which I think is an excuse. I think they just get, got straight up outplayed by Australia and Nigeria. But yeah, you know, it's been a crazy last two years. There's been a lot of discussions about should the NBA have done this with the schedule and the off-season rest. Uh, complaints about officiating, players complaining about calls all the time. Uh, it's something that takes away from the elite performances of the players at times. Like today, it, like a, a positive of the Bucks winning is rather than discussing what a great game game four was, I'm sorry, like if the Bucks didn't win, tomorrow the discussion might have centered a lot on the officiating instead of the game. But at least now with the Bucks winning, it won't be as big as of a discussion. We all know about Scott Foster's relationship with Chris Paul too. That's been heavily advertised and has been a topic of debate, <laughs> crazily enough. But let's now move on to the basketball side of it. Game five. How do you see this game going? Do you guys think the Suns go up 3-2 or do you think momentum has shifted totally to Milwaukee side that they come back to Milwaukee for game six with a chance to close this out? Let's start with you, Joseph. Um, I think uh, Phoenix is going to take game five. Um, I've seen the videos post-game and they're really pissed about the loss. And it's a good sign that they're pissed about the loss because um, they almost had it. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I don't think uh, you're going to have uh, three straight bad games from Chris Paul. So I'm rooting for a very good Chris Paul or a bounce back uh, game from Chris Paul in game five. And um, as we all know, uh, when you're at home, the role players uh, plays better. So uh, correct, yeah, correct. Yeah. So I think um, Monty is going to have some adjustments because um, he's a very good coach and um, he's getting uh, a lot of um, a lot of um, praise from other coaches that uh, he's the most detailed coach in the league. So right. Yeah, I'm. I think uh, Phoenix is going to take game five, but it's going to be close. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. Also, one more thing there. One of the reasons we can probably say why Holiday has struggled offensively is because of the defensive workload that he's been asked to take on guarding Chris Paul. And fair enough, Holiday started guarding Chris Paul in Game 2. And since then, Chris Paul hasn't been Chris Paul, at least not the Chris Paul of Game 1. Joe, how do you see this series going after Game 5? Well, you know, uh, I agree with Joseph that I think Phoenix will take it in next game. Uh, they're mad. You know, they're going to adjust. They were winning the game, actually, you know, before Milwaukee figured things out. The thing with the Bucks is they figure things out. They have this pattern of figure things, figuring things out a bit late. You know, they go away from what's working and then they find out, oh, this is working. And then they go to it and they survive by the skin of their teeth. Right. So, you know, you think, you th- you'd think that there's going to be a point somewhere along the way, especially going back to Phoenix, where that kind of thinking is going to bite them back. And when they find out what's working, it's going to be too late. You're going to have the Phoenix crowd loud. You're going to have CP3 mad and itching to bounce back from, quite frankly, terrible performances. Booker's going to be pissed too because his 40-point performance just you know, just wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aiden, Aiden is going to keep doing what he's doing. You know, he, I think out of everyone on the Suns team, uh, he's been the most consistent. You know, he's doing his role, uh, being a rebounder, being that roller, being that pressure release, uh, getting mismatches. And, you know, besides that foul riddled performance last game, he's been the one thing who's hasn't really been really, really down. He's been okay to good to excellent. And, you know, just, you, you and, you know, everyone else is going to fill up their roles. Cam Johnson's been doing that. Mikel Bridges, he's going to have an up game one of these, one of these days. And right. I think Phoenix, being back in Phoenix, they're going to be more comfy and they're going to take control early on and they're going to make the Bucks try to adjust. And I don't think the Bucks will adjust in time uh, in Game 5. So I think Phoenix will take it. And I hope it goes to Game 7. Uh, so that's the, the, that's the dream, right? So let's yep. see. Can I also seven, add something? That, Go uh, for it. Yeah. When Yanis go back to shooting free throws in Phoenix, there will be a countdown again. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um for sure, I think a game seven would be absolutely excellent because uh, Phoenix and Milwaukee aren't exactly like you know U.S. destinations or the big market teams you would have expected. But in terms of their basketball teams, the Suns and Bucks are excellent. It's been great watching them. My only complaint has been that we haven't had more close games. Of course, it's out of everyone's control. But I'm happy we finally got one today. And the game seven would be again fantastic. I think a game seven with Paul and Giannis and Middleton, uh, Booker, the stakes, the history, everything on the line. It just makes for absolutely must see TV. Uh, quick question though, before we wrap this up, one of Milwaukee or Phoenix will be the 2021 NBA champion. With that said, will the 2021 NBA champion be the best team that there was this season? Let's go with you first, Joseph. Um, 
No, I don't think so. Um, mm. Yeah, because uh, I don't know if, if we're going to include injuries in that discussion, then Brooklyn Nets uh, was the best team of uh, this season. But injuries are part of the game. So it's going to be a long discussion if we're going to have that one. So, yeah, but um, if we're going to stick with what we have right now, yeah, the best team of or the, the team that's going to win these finals is the best team. Because uh, um, if you're injured, then yeah, it's too bad. But uh, in terms of on paper, yeah, Brooklyn Nets should have win or should have won uh, this year's uh, NBA Finals. How about you, Joe? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's why we have a championship, right? To determine who the best team is at the end of the season. And, you know, whoever wins this one, they're, they're going to be the best team. I mean, I don't, re- I don't really subscribe that much to the asterisk line of thinking because, I mean, if you, if you dig, dig enough, if you find reasons for every championship winning team, there, there are going to be asterisks for every championship winning team. I mean, you can have injuries, you can have, you know, uh, you know, foul fouls not going your way, that sort of thing. Mickey Mouse, you know, in the bubble, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so yeah, I mean, unquestionably, <laughs> unquestionably, you know, the best team is gonna it, who is going to be the one who wins the 2021 championship. You can't do anything about who's who you face. You know, you just have to beat them. And sure. the, wh- whoever wins, you beat everyone who has been placed in front of you and i think unquestionably it should be that should be the case for sure yeah. i agree with you i agree with you in terms of uh, how injuries are really part of the discussion when evaluating how good the team is just because i think now more than ever really in nba history durability has become the key component the x factor to determining uh the nba champion if you look back at the last 10 12 years there's been an injury every season that has altered how maybe not 12 years maybe the last 10 years though starting with Derrick Rose in 2012 there's been a key injury every season that has altered the fate of the postseason and thus the NBA champion so I wouldn't hold that against a a team who does win because they stayed healthier but in terms of predicting game five I I might go mil I think yes I am actually going to go Milwaukee Um, Milwaukee to me is one of those teams that when they're down, they can spiral down quickly. But when they're on the rise and momentum is on their side, then they're a team on fire. Does that mean I think Milwaukee will win this series? No. I think they win game five. They go up 3-2. I think Phoenix wins game six with the pressure in Milwaukee to close it out. And then we go back to the Valley of the Sun for game seven where I believe the Suns will close it out in an epic game seven. Maybe I'm hoping that there will be a game seven more than predicting, but I'm going to go with my gut and say there's going to be a game seven because we all deserve a game seven. Everyone knows that. Um, Joe, Joseph, thank you for your time. Uh, Joseph, Joe, are you working on an article that's going to come out? Yeah, I uh, started, started on it already. Uh, a few words into it, so let's watch out for that. All right, awesome. Guys, check that out on Raptors Sports. 
follow Joe too on Twitter. That's Joe Virai NBA. Follow Joseph on Twitter too. Celtics Manila. He's excited about their new head coach. Maybe a little too excited. <laughs> but oh, yeah. Good for him. <laughs> and yeah, make sure you guys also subscribe to the Nabs Effect on Spotify. Follow me on Instagram. By Navs G on Twitter, Naveen Ganglani. Check out our work on YouTube and Facebook. And check out my work on Rappler Sports too. That's where you can find my articles. Catch you all next time. Joe, Joseph, it was a good one. Peace out, boys.